0: To another episode of Beaver Pod Life, and today we've got with us Roger Smith, our current president, who is going to tell us a little bit about himself and what he's planning for this coming year. Hi, Roger. Hi there. Hi. Thanks for coming. Um, so, yeah, please tell us a little bit about yourself for those that don't know you already.
1: Okay, well, I'm currently Professor of Equine Orthopaedics at the Royal Veterinary College. Um, I qualified originally back in the mid 80s um, from the University of Cambridge. And I was very much motivated by the James Herriot books. I hadn't actually thought about being a vet until pretty close to the end of my school days. And I had a good friend who suggested it as an option. And uh, as soon as I started looking into it, I felt more and more uh, at home, as it were, with uh, with taking that on as, as a job for the future. Um, and so, unfortunately, I hadn't done the right A-levels. Um, so the only place I could go to was Cambridge University at that stage. but I actually, that was a place I wanted to go to anyway, and um, but after that, really, I uh, during during that uh, time at Cambridge, I became more and more interested in horses. I'd started off wanting a bit like uh, James Herriot to be uh, doing all animals, but as I got towards the end of that course, I became more and more focused on on horses and. Um, So when I qualified, I did actually start a very general practice job. So I was doing a lot of cattle work, sheep work. I started working in Toaster in Northamptonshire, which is why I've ended up living there or close to Toaster in Northampton. Um, But again, as as gradually I did did that work, I got more and more interested in horses. So I moved across to uh, Oakham uh, to work there at Gibson's uh, Veterinary Hospital, as it was then. Um, And gradually we did more and more horses and then got sort of bitten by the bug of uh, wanting to be a surgeon. Um, And so uh, when a residency opportunity came up at the Royal Veterinary College, um, I went there. And of course, I haven't really left. Well, I haven't left there at all since then. So from 1990 onwards, I've been at the RBC uh, and it's been a, a, a great journey. I've started off doing the residency, stayed on and did a Ph.D. And then became a lecturer, senior lecturer, and then eventually became professor of equine orthopaedics and focused on on orthopaedics. But what really motivates me is a combination of doing uh, high level clinical orthopaedics, but also getting involved in research to try and uh, get some answers to some of the the continuing problems we have and our um, challenges in in treating a number of of conditions. And it's that combination that's really motivated me through my, my career.
0: And that's a, a theme that you're bringing into some of the work that we're doing um with CPD at Beaver, isn't it? so what tell talk us to us about that sort of thing
1: yeah, so um i'm i've I'm always interested in trying to encourage people to get involved in in research. We know that an awful lot of vets are naturally inquisitive and innovative at the same time, so the combination makes them ideal researchers, but often their job doesn't give them the opportunity, even though the enthusiasm to get involved is there. Um, nevertheless, I think there are real opportunities within general practice to get involved in in research and it 's not really most people when you talk about research think about it as in a laboratory doing uh, research in a, in a university and certainly that 's a, a very valuable area to if you really want to focus um, on, on research full time but of course that 's often difficult to combine with a, with a, you know a, a clinical job. But there are other opportunities where very much focused on the practice environment itself where uh, small amounts of involvement can actually yield some particularly useful information, both for the practice and, and the wider veterinary field as well. We know that there's a lot of clinical material being dealt with in general practice that often uh, is, is a very valuable source of, of, of areas of research and development. And so we have actually um, running a, um, an online uh, course, a new course, uh, Beavers running uh, it online on the sixth of December, where we're going to try and explore the opportunities that are available to practitioners uh, to get involved, uh, and how they can not only get involved but also uh, obtain funding to to support that work within uh, a commercial environment. Um, and um, so, we hope that we'll encourage as many people. Uh, To come and listen to that, Um, we have actually Sally Gunnell, who's who's, um, obviously will be well known to many uh, as a very successful Olympian, um, who is actually going to open that um, that course with a a talk uh, on really uh, maximising performance and and creating resilience to create job satisfaction. That's where I think this course is aiming is to to encourage people to get involved in this sort of area, which can I think lead to. Um, greater job satisfaction and job diversity.
0: That's really good. What other courses have we got coming up? There's some. Um, you've been quite involved with London International Horse Show, haven't you? And I think we've got CPD that we've combined into that event. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, So I've I've been a treating vet at the London In- International Horse Show for probably now 14 years or so. Fantastic team there, and um, I really love doing that. But that was very much on the on the sort of Providing the veterinary care at the show, but um, a couple of years ago, the idea came out that um, actually there would be the opportunity of running some CPD uh, alongside the horse show itself. And um, I mean, many many equine vets will be familiar with the show because it's been on the calendar, most people's calendar, for a long, long time. People have been to this show many many occasions. It's a wonderful occasion just before Christmas, very family orientated and some really high-level sport uh, in both obviously show jumping but also dressage and also driving. So it's a really, really great show, and the idea is to have a CPD event uh, that will be focused on on uh, sports medicine or or, or, or rather um, uh, maintaining sports horses uh, in the competitive environment, so uh, very much focused on sports medicine. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we'll run alongside the show, and so people can actually go to both, and I think that's um, – um, an ideal opportunity for people to see the girl get to the show. Um, I think there's a twenty five percent discount on the ticket prices if if you attend the cPD event so um yeah I, I'll probably be busy so I won't be able to go to it very much, but uh, I still think it's going to be um an excellent an excellent occasion. We're really looking forward to developing that going forward.
0: Yeah, it'd be quite a unique event, really, won't it, combining the, the CPD with something a bit more social and, and, and that kind of event that, like you say, is very popular with families. So something to, to take everyone along with you. <laughs> um, and then tell me a little bit about um, artificial intelligence, because that's something you're also quite passionate about and, and something you hope to raise at our upcoming council meeting for discussion. Can you give us some background there?
1: Yeah I suppose I'm sort of I'm I'm interested in it but I've become interested in it on the research level so I've been very much I mean AI is not particularly new but it's very much in the news currently because of how the rapid progression of um, artificial intelligence has its intelligence is starting to impact on on people's lives you know chat gpt is a a well known uh Free service that's come come out there that people are using, and the potential negatives of that in terms of creating problems of of um, in universities in particular about how you can differentiate people's own work from something they've gained from these uh, AI sources. But actually, my interest stemmed really from using <clears throat> artificial intelligence to augment um various aspects of of clinical work and uh, in particular research as well so I'm working actually with the company looking at ways of um automatic assessment of some of the parameters on an ultrasound scan so you can see immediately the automatic the ability to automatically measure the cross sectional areas of things uh, makes life a lot easier. You don't have to sit there and trace tendons and stuff like that. But that's a very simple use of AI, but nevertheless, one that can really help us in a, in our clinical job. So that's where my interest has been. But in the process, I joined the clinical AI group, uh, focus group from the Alan Turing Institute. And um, of course, then you see an awful lot of wider uses of AI and including the areas that people are worried about, but also ways at which it can be used to to augment clinical practice and improve organization of of clinical work, but also how the clinical data that you get uh, can be used to help diagnosis and management, et cetera. So um, there's lots and lots of different areas. And so because of the, the especially with the recent um, uh, meeting that was held at uh, Bletchley Park um, a week or so ago, and the considerable focus politically on it, um, we thought it would be a good thing to to discuss at our review meeting at the end of this month to to look at the challenges, but also the opportunities. So it's not all negative. Um, And I know the RCVS are also working on um, um, a a policy document about how uh, AI will uh, will impact our profession, I suppose. So I think it's quite timely. Um, As I say, people tend to come at it rather negatively, but I think there are some really good opportunities as well come from that.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's it sort of hits the headlines for sometimes the wrong reasons, whereas, like you say, there's 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 option opportunities there and, and potential for some really great application. Um another topic that you're hoping to bring up at the review meeting with Beaver Council members is social license to operate. So what's what's that going to be about? What do you hope to achieve with that discussion?
1: Yes, I mean it won't come as any good surprise to any of uh, our listeners, that social license is, is a, a is a big feature of of our work, or in terms of equine vets, because horses are as performance animals are coming under scrutiny um, from the public as as uh, in terms of the justification, shall we say? Um, we want to really, um, obviously, bring forward the very positives that are related to this um, and how. Uh, they can bring immense satisfaction um, that the, the, the care the welfare of the horses is absolutely paramount, paramount in our profession of course and so it 's really um, um, addressing that and, and understanding ways at which we can put these very positive aspects of uh, of uh, the equine industry f- uh, forward effectively to the general public. My strong belief is that while um, there are obviously a, a branch of the public who are uncomfortable about it. I think the vast majority see the positive benefits of it, but they're often the silent majority. And so I think ways of which getting uh, an understanding of people's uh, opinions and also working towards producing solutions. I think it was really interesting, the changes to the Grand National uh, that have been proposed, which have, you know, based largely on evidence, which shows a real application of, of, focused research on trying to uh, improve things and make it a safer for the horses and um uh, in in a in a scientific fashion and i think we're we're in a profession that should be very evidence-based when it when it can be and therefore showing that and i think that's a really positive move and it's really just trying to do that and the world horse welfare is is also gaining is obtaining um some useful uh, data from the from surveys in terms of trying to understand this further um and and to really put the um, positive aspects forward but i think it's going to be important because um our we are going to be challenged on this and not just horses of course in lots of different areas uh, with animals but uh, but i think uh, for us i think the use of horses in in performance sport is obviously um one part of that
0: yeah, absolutely, and I think Beavers Beavers setting up a working group, social license working group, to try and focus on this subject and and work together with the rest of the industry. Um, so we're we're working in a coherent manner as well, isn't it? So that's uh, that's an area to watch for. Um, so other topics that you have sort of been passed the baton on, really, from from Dave Rendell and and Hugh Griffiths before him, as presidents, was the recruitment retention. Um, topics and also nurses we're working very closely with equine nurses aren't we so could you talk a little bit about those or what we hope to achieve in the coming year?
1: Yeah so um, yeah Dave was very active at at driving a lot of these um, uh, in terms of uh, retention and recruitment uh, and also um, uh, empowering the equine nurses and I'm really just following on uh, with that because I think we both think that this is an important area Um, of course Retention and recruitment are big issues, of course. A lot of the profession, not just equine, but um, uh, involving all other areas of the veterinary profession as well. And there are no no easy fixes. So um, there are many reasons, and, and part of it is understanding uh, that. Uh, and then part uh, of part of the, part of the um, our focus is to try and think of ways of of uh, of, of sort of dealing with it. I, I rather like the analogy of it's a you know a bucket full of water and there are holes in the bucket and there's a tap pouring water into the into the bucket and in order to maintain the uh, the level of water the level of veterinary uh services as it were you need to either increase the rate at which the the, the tap is flowing in um and, and that's i suppose mainly along the lines of increasing the number of uh vets be, be, being qualified uh which of course the universities are, are addressing but but also looking at ways of trying to plug the holes and uh, and and so that the, the um, research and development or the innovation, um, the clinical innovation online course that uh, we're running that I've already talked about is one of, you know, one hole in the bucket as it were, or trying to address one hole in the bucket uh, as providing people with the other things that they can do and make that job, make the job, uh, you know, even more fulfilling. Um, and so those are the areas. I mean, there are many other areas that we're trying to address it, but um, in trying to encourage um, new graduates, um, especially to look or students, I should say, who are um, thinking about where they're going to go when they qualify, um, we often lose out a little bit and be able to show um, what the uh, equine veterinary job is like and how uh, immensely fulfilling and enjoyable it can be. it's a, it's a very different, in many ways, um, job to being a small animal vet, but it also can have amazingly uh, um, different um, rewards from being involved in, in the equine profession. The trouble is that as time goes on, there is less and less requirement for students to actually visit equine practices and see what the job entails. And I think uh, certainly someone like me who had um, unfortunately didn't have a, a horsey background as a child and was introduced to it really um, during university and subsequently in the early stages of my career, and thinking this is this is exactly where I want to stay, and it's giving that opportunity to the students and to the final year uh, and, and sorry the, the new graduates yeah. <laughs> so that they can enjoy that profession. Um, and Phil Cramp, of course, has done an amazing job uh, over a number of years now of visiting vet schools and and introducing that um, to the students. And I think we want to continue those initiatives and try to encourage. More people to join uh, the equine profession.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's there's obviously lots of um, challenges for working in the in this this industry, but lots of positives as well. And I think you're right. It's 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 highlighting both and doing it doing it clearly and fairly. <laughs> um, yeah, good. So, a little bit about um, your international action. So I know Dave Dave spent quite a lot of time building a rapport in relations with with vets across the world. You're, you're carrying that on. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and, and have planned for the rest of this year.
1: Yeah, Dave was amazingly uh, successful at, at, at sort of um, encouraging uh, similar-minded associations across the world, those obviously involved with, uh, with equine veterinary work, to become affiliated uh, societies or associations with BEVA, um, and really, I again, I'm, I'm really continuing that that um, that goal. Um, we have a number of organizations there that that we want to encourage that to them to um, get their members to become affiliated members of, of Beaver as well. I think we have a tremendous uh, educational resource that is easily transferable to uh, to other countries via uh, online platforms uh, that we have. Um, so it's good to make that sort of available to those countries where they don't have the tremendous uh, backup that we have at Beaver. And um, I, I think that's a, a real asset that people, I think we can really to allow that sort of educational resource to be more freely available across the world. And I think a lot of associations, smaller associations, are are really enthusiastic about that. And I have, during my career, been very fortunate to, visit a number of countries, both on the research side, but also in terms of delivering CPD. I've always said no matter where you go in the world, uh, if you want a good time, you just find uh, a veterinary surgeon. Uh, um, And, of course, equine vets especially. Um, So it's a a logical thing for me to get involved in, and and, uh, I really enjoy it. I've already been to um, the... Portuguese uh, Veterinary Association, Equine Veterinary Association recently. Um, Fantastic group of people, very uh, proactive and and really uh, an excellent program for quite a small organization. So I've got lots planned for the future. Um, Today, later on today, I'm going off to Chile for the World Equine Veterinary Association meeting. Uh, Again, very much the ideals of of Weaver is to support lesser able or less less well-supported countries with uh, equine veterinary uh, expertise um, and then I will later on in the year go to Japan and then on to the AAP and of course our close association with the AAP is, uh, is one where um, we have been uh, sort of closely linked with them for a number of years and it's a very warm uh, relationship between the two so I'm look- really looking forward to that and then next year I've got some uh, meetings in, in Europe, Spain, Italy, Romania and then also visiting South Africa and, and Australasia for their conferences. So I'm really hoping that we'll be able to build um, uh, build a, a greater uh, body of uh, affiliated organisations with Beaver going forward.
0: Yeah. And I think it's really important, as you say, the education, the expertise, but also so much of the sort of challenges that we face as equine vets are applicable and relevant to um, everyone across the world in that profession. You know, it's a it's a very global industry now as well, isn't it? And um, and so the more we can kind of communicate and stand together and help each other, the better, really. Um, so that's that's going to be a fun-packed year for you. And uh, I gather that you have a, an interest in go-karting, which our new council member, Angela Jones, relayed a, a memory of you when you met at the office last week. Could you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so um, I got interested in karting probably 30-odd years ago and um, had, a, had a, a kart of my own, um, which I sort of did endurance racing with a group of friends, um, which I really enjoyed. Fantastic way of getting involved in motorsport at a fairly cost-effective way. Um, and then uh, years ago, probably almost 20 years ago, um, the final year students at the RVC used to hand in their elective projects on the same day and so we thought this was a great opportunity to take all the equine uh, vet students off for a go-karting event, at a local track, and um, used to get sponsorship from companies so that the students didn't have to pay much. And um, it was great fun. Everyone really enjoyed it. But then the sort of curriculum changes and, and not everyone finishes at the same time anymore at the RVC. So uh, we sort of changed it a little bit so that we then started to invite local practices. Um, and that, that's been a lot more intermittent. And it's partly because um, I haven't had the time to put into organising it. But when I was discussing with David Mountford about things that we could do um, and uh, also sort of engage more with with uh, our membership, um, he suggested karting. And I couldn't think of a better way of doing that. And it seems to be very popular. So... We're going to try and organise a session at some point during probably next summer um, and, and and sort of uh, uh, organise a number of teams. It'll be an endurance race and to allow you to get, you know, a decent number of people in each team. And I think the track we've used in the past at Hodderston um, had a fantastic relationship with them over the years. Uh, they can take up to, I think, about 20 or 24 carts, So it's, we should be able to accommodate a reasonable number of people um, and the idea, of course, when we used to take the students, we used to have students who would never ever been in a car before, and it was great, very amusing, watching them going around the first few laps. But by the end of two hours, they were, they were whizzing around like everyone else. So that's always, it's always something that anybody can do, even though they might never have been in a, even in a car necessarily. <laughs> but most people have done that. But it's a, it's a very easy, uh, easy sport to to get to uh, to learn, shall we say.
0: It sounds like great fun. I think, um, I think, yeah, most vets would sort of enjoy that, particularly as we drive so much for for our jobs, like plenty of us. I think it'd be a great day out and um, something to to look forward to.
1: Now, I was going to say the techniques that
0: you <laughs> yeah, learn on, on the track
1: aren't ones necessary. You should be applying in your day job, just driving around in the car.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, we're not. We're not. We're not suggesting that, of course. <laughs> um but no thanks again it's been really good to talk to you. It's been nice to hear a bit about you as a person and um and also what you have planned for beaver this year because it's it's going to be a really really exciting year and lots of new things as well coming up for us um so please don't don't forget to look up the CPD courses that Rogers mentioned uh keep your eye out for the carting experience and um we look forward to seeing you all at CPD and at Congress next year um thank you very much for your time Roger.
1: Yeah, and and thanks, Lucy, and of course, I must put in a big thank you to all the staff at Beaver as well, who so far have um, uh, accommodated my foibles when going over there, but it's been a really good start to my presidential year, and I'm looking forward to to the rest of it.
0: Yeah, we are too. Thanks, Roger, and thanks to everyone for listening. See you again next time.